Being a person is not easy. Uh, I think that's just kind of like a general concept we should pay attention to or <laughs> admit more. And I think when we get involved with these things, <laughs> involved with these things, like parenting, there's all these expectations or thoughts around it. And, and that's part of why I do this is to try to like navigate these things or come up with these different thoughts or ideas around it. And one of the things that I have been doing with Charlie since forever, which I've talked about many times is at night, they always ask me to tell them stories from when I was a kid. And as I said many times, like I'm just like, I'm out of stories. So I've had to like do different things. And as they get older, they do have a lot of questions about, you know, their life too. And so I'll try to share, or kind of started out sharing stories from when they're a baby and moments. And then I share like times where I had to figure things out or I didn't know what to do or like how sometimes I just like defaulted to, and again, nobody's hundred percent on anything, but I would just default to being kind or, or patient or calm because I was just like, I don't know what else to do. And I would tell stories about times they cried or, they were just like screaming at the top of their lungs. And I just go over all these things and try to like help them know who they are, help them know who I was or tried to be. And I let them know the times that I, you know, was less impressive or the times that I felt like I kind of nailed this one or the times I did something that I had no clue, but I did it. And so at some point you made it to 10. So something came together, like somehow, no matter what you made it to 10. So, you know, try your best. Well, they have a lot of questions about, like, they're starting to come out about these questions from things to do with their mom and I. And, you know, I've kind of like brushed those off and been like, you know, as you get older, I'll tell you this. I mean, literally they remember, like, when I said this whenever ago, and there was one point where like two years ago or something, I said something about like, you know what, I can kind of start talking about that when you're 10. Like that seems like a decent age to go over some of this stuff or, you know, like start to sprinkle things in or whatever. And it's their life. Like I 100% believe knowing these things, one, are gonna benefit them throughout their life, maybe help them in a relationship, maybe mentally help them. I don't think lying or, you know, avoiding these things are gonna be what's best for them. And again, you gotta navigate it with age. But literally the first time we were together after their 10th birthday and we were doing the nighttime chats and stuff, they're like, all right, you told, you, <laughs> told me you would tell me this when I was 10. I was like, oh, geez, you've been holding on to that one for a couple of years. And so again, I started to tell them these things. So we started talking about a friend who is going through a situation that may end in a divorce and they were having struggles with the my friend and their friend who their friend is my friend's kid. And I was just saying, hey, like these are things that are happening and I know these are getting frustrating for you and they feel bad. It doesn't make how they're acting right, but it does give a reason for why they might be acting this way. Or sometimes when we're going through something, we unfortunately, but also like, I don't know if it's fortunate or not, but we take it out on the people closest to us because we assume they can take it or we assume it's safe. Doesn't make any of this right. And when you know this though, you can talk about it and say, hey, if you're lashing out at your friend because you're going through something, maybe don't take it out on them, but talk to them and try to like be supportive or ask for support or whatever, instead of using them as a safe space to vent. And we were talking about how like 
if somebody's acting like a jerk at home or something or whatever, like they can't take it out on their boss at work because then, you know, that could get them fired. They can't, you know, take it out on or they shouldn't take it out on this person or that person or whatever. And then sometimes it comes out on the people that they feel safest and closest with. And I'm like, but that's also an opportunity to talk to them or ask what's going on or say, hey, like this isn't normal for you. So we're having this really good conversation around all of this stuff. And they ask questions because this was, you know, very related to the topic about the her mom and I's divorce and, you know, sprinkling stuff in and starting to ask questions. And it literally asked, how long were you two together for? Which I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question, but I defaulted to, well, legally we were married for four years, but two of those years we were getting divorced. I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, well, it wasn't your job to know. It was like a four-year-old. I was like, so yeah, no, these are the realities of your life. And again, I'm not saying anything negative about her mom or me or divorce or marriage or anything. I was just like, that is the reality of your life and our lives. And then, and this is, this is the mad ramble getting to this point. And I kind of like worked on this a bit since before sitting down to record this, but then Charlie started telling me about, oh, it's going to tear me up about how hard it was for them going through this. They went through, you know, six years of just her and I, or them and I, like, as I said, multiple times, it was like six and a half years of just the two of us for the most part. 90, 85 to 90% was just us two, if not more. And then all of a sudden, like, dad sleeping in a different bedroom and like little things that I, they just kind of like didn't question or accept or whatever. It was just like, oh, this is the situation or whatever. But all that time was divorce time, which <laughs> I didn't tell them that it was basically like four years of a shit show and blah, blah, blah. But this is the things they kind of grew up in salts. And one of the reasons I wanted to get out, but story for another time. And so they're telling me these things and how hard it was because right at the moment I moved out, which would have been January of 2020, I believe, then COVID hit. And the things you don't think about, one, and I, the heartbreaking part is I was aware of this. The heartbreaking part is I saw, which talk about giving some empathy to people, how poorly my parents handled my mom's second divorce and my stepdad's first divorce and then coming together in this house and about just how selfish it was and how they didn't look out for the kids and how it was all about them, 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 while they had like one, two, three, four, five kids to have to deal with. And it's like, well, yeah, there's seven people in this house and five of them should probably take precedence. And so it was in my head that whole time to try to, you know, make sure that didn't happen for Charlie, to make sure that it was a better, more, I mean, positive as positive as it could be given the situation and stuff. So as they're talking to me, they're like, so you moved out, you two are divorced, COVID hits. And, and this is the part that like just slaps me in the face out of all of this. They had gotten the quote unquote, and this is again, another whole BS side story of like the talented and gifted program, which apparently means you just sit in front of a computer more. And I, I'll try not to rain on that one on you right now, but it was also during COVID. And so they had started school just having transferred into a new school under this program and didn't know anybody except for a couple of kids from their old school. 
and they were on a screen. And this is the stuff they're telling me. And there was no way to make friends or get to know these people over Google for a couple hours every day. And I knew they had a couple of friends and this is COVID and everything's going on. I don't, <laughs> I mean, again, I'm still processing this, but I'm like, I didn't feel like I was being selfish. I wasn't like moping around. I wasn't, you know, playing sad music and holding a bottle of wine in front of them and just being like, oh, what's your mom up to or whatever. Like one didn't care, but two, I wasn't doing all of these things and I was present and you know, you just think you're kind of like doing okay and you're not seeing these things in your kid. And so you're like, okay. And we talked every night and I told story and it was just all of these things. And I just missed it. I just, Jesus, I'm going to tear up. I just missed it. And so they're telling me these things and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know for a year and a half ish that you were just sad about these aspects and again it wasn't like 24 7 sadness and they were telling me like you know COVID hit and I was like "Ooh, I have two houses to go to I'm not going to be locked up in this one house I'm not going to be stuck in this one situation and was telling me about like the friends that they were talking to and contacting they you know I can't get out of the house and my mom and dad and I are all locked in here one of the things with the friend that started this story was it's mom dad and her for you know, she's homeschooled, dad works from home. So it's just like years of this. And then all of a sudden they can't even get out and do anything. So it went from all three of them in the same house, 24 seven, getting out, you know, to do play dates and stuff to like then being locked in the house 24 seven. And again, not the point, but just the part that Charlie was talking about was that was a positive. That was a positive that they could get out, they could move around, they could stretch. It was safe to go to between these two houses. Theoretically, again, I won't rabbit hole on that. And they were making friends where I had moved to or we had moved to because there was like, it was like one of those apartment complexes with, you know, more than a few kids in it. And so then like right out of the bat, they had like five friends that were, you know, relatively safe and they were playing outside and stuff like that. And then one of the kids like literally just kind of moved into our house <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> and it was just like okay like i hope you guys are safe over there but she just like set up camp in her house and like was there and i was like this is weird but whatever um and then the other kids like just were there and it was awesome and again that's what i focused on was look at the benefits which again there were but just the fact that they were going through this and i didn't think to ask that i missed this that i just missed it i mean that's all it breaks down to and so the point of going over all of this is we look at our kids sometimes and everybody's like, oh, your kids are resilient. Oh, but like, it feels like that's just an excuse for a previous generations, previous, multiple previous generations of bad parenting. Like, oh, we didn't catch that. We didn't do this, but kids are resistant. It's like, well, they're not because look at us. So I don't know how well that resistance was, but it's also like just talk to your kids, but don't just talk. And this was kind of like a thought that I'm kicking around and dealing with is, you know, everybody talks about being a good listener and, you know, sitting there and letting your kids talk and giving them room and all that stuff. But if you don't give them anything to talk about, or if you don't get them, give them anything to, to respond to or play off of, then that silence is just deafening. That silence is you waiting, hoping they will trust you and talk to you but you're not giving them anything. And I think that was a huge miss 
with Charlie as I continue to reflect on this thing that just happened a couple nights ago is I could have asked questions. They were asking me to tell stories. They were asking me, and again, I focus so much on these stories from when I was a kid and how I'm running out of stories and blah, 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 and how great it is that they want to know this. And I've talked about all the benefits of it and how she, they get to know me and just all of these things. And I never asked the question back. And when we do bedtime at night, and I got this from Neil Pashrika, I'll say like, rose, rose, thorn, bud. Give me two goods, one bad, and then one thing growing, or one thing that didn't go well or whatever, and then one thing that's growing or blossoming. And those are the questions I was asking because I've learned how good it is to be grateful. It's benefited me over the last few years and blah, 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 blah. And I just didn't ask, like, how are you doing right now? Like. You don't have to answer right now or whatever, but know that I just want to check in instead of assuming. And God, that hurts. It hurts to have missed that. But, and this is not the but of like that negates everything. It's the but they're talking. And somehow the relationship, and this is kind of what I'm taking from it, continues to grow. And the more I talk, the more it creates space for them to talk. The more examples I use, the more vulnerable I get, the more I share. There's going to be misses and there's going to be things you don't catch or things you mess up on, but that's a big one. That's a big thing to just not be able to be like, oh, you know, I didn't ask about this or, you know, I didn't catch that them and their best friend at school are having issues. Like things that happen, but that was a huge miss because I don't know. But the fact that we never stop talking, the fact that I'm progressing these stories, the fact that I don't let frustration, well, I mean, I do, but like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't let them become an impact that keeps us from doing what we've always done. And the thing in my head that I'm trying to come up with, which I kind of just touched on, is you need to be a good listener, but you have to talk to get them to want to talk. You've got to share, you've got to be vulnerable, you have to open yourself up, you have to create space by <laughs> talking, like sharing and opening up and, you know, all the crap and the mistakes and the childhood and all of these things. I mean, again, all age appropriate, but I am able to retell stories now. I am able to revisit things by saying, this is in addition to this is the add-on from that story that I told you a while ago and I'll even ask do you remember the story okay here's a little bit more of the the progressed version as I can be more detailed or I can give away a little more and I was like and to be honest like in two or three years I will add on to this story I'm not lying I'm just making it age appropriate and there is more to this story of my childhood there is more to this story of an interaction that happened you know after you were born or whatever and just keep growing on it but i get to revisit it and they get to process it differently and we ended up talking and this was the other night and it this is the other piece of this is when we start talking when we start opening and it did get to a point where i had to shut up and just listen but that wouldn't have happened if i hadn't have talked which again i think is a piece that gets missed is one, know your audience, like when to talk, when to shut up, when to hear, like eventually they just kept talking and they kept talking and they kept saying things. And that's when I just started backing off and listening. That's when I was like, okay, my turn's done. But I kind of had to like pay attention. And right now I'm feeling, I mean, then and now 
I was feeling like crap and I'm feeling guilty and I'm like beating myself up, but that doesn't help them at all. That does not do anything for Charlie to now have them have to listen to my like guilty mental breakdown because of this thing. It was just that, thank you for telling me. Thank you for sharing that with me. Dad, if he drank a lot, would probably go downstairs and have a bourbon and just be like, oh my God. But luckily I couldn't do that because that probably wouldn't end it well. So, and not that I can, I choose not to. But anyway, so when you're talking, when you're sharing, when you're being vulnerable, you're teaching that to them too. Like I keep going back to being, like you got to take care of yourself. You got to be the example and your response matters. By being willing to share and be open and put this piece of myself out there first and to hopefully teach. I mean, you never know what's really going on or what sparked this within them, but to show them the vulnerability and the honesty and not hold things back or not, you know, I don't know what the right word right now is, like not degrade, but like underestimate them or whatever, but just be honest, like this isn't age appropriate. Here's the part of the story I can tell. And then the example was sharing that. Here I am taking care of myself and sharing myself. Now I'm being the example of the vulnerability. And my response was to shut up. <laughs> like the response isn't always active. Sometimes the response is just shutting up. And before I get too much on the repeaty rambly part, talk to your kids, pay attention, share your story, show them what it's like to be vulnerable, show them what it's like to mess up, tell them these things that you did wrong. And if they start talking, then you shut up. You don't sit there and wait for them to talk, which that's kind of how I've always take this, like be a good listener. And it's like, you're sitting there in silence being like, well, I guess you don't want to say anything. You got to prompt them. You got to, again, not everything's a hundred percent, but being that prompt, being that, you know, thing in a journal where it's like, how did you feel today? It's like, well, let's start talking about that. It's, it's putting it out there so that they can have the freedom to talk when they're ready. It took, oh my God, I'm going to cry four years for this to come out four years of hanging on to this thing that I never bothered to check on because I just looked and said they must be doing as okay as they can be or all right in the situation or if I ran into something with them and again I'm trying to remember this time now I wrote it off as COVID I wrote it off as this but I didn't ask and I didn't dig into it and I didn't let them talk and share and express what they were going through I don't think I was wrong in what I was assuming but I didn't check or let them talk and that was the mess. So if you have these opportunities, if there's something going on with your kid or your spouse or your friend or whatever, and they're, you're not getting through to something, this is one of the reasons I hate cliches and stuff is that as much as I sometimes sprinkle them in or, you know, they do work, again, nothing's 100%. It's, you know, oh, you got to be a good listener, all these things. Yeah, but <laughs> to be a good listener, maybe you have to be a good talker or a good storyteller or it's not so much about listening. It's about knowing when to shut up <laughs> and then you become the listener. But you can't be a listener if there's nothing being said, if there's nothing that is being shared, because then it's just silence, which is today's title is if we just went to bed at night and I was like, I don't have a story tonight, or I've already told you all my stories or whatever. What do you have? It'd be like, well, I got nothing either, Dad. So cool, I guess we're in the same boat or whatever. And that's not what I've done. And sometimes it does get frustrating. And sometimes I'm like, I just got nothing. But instead of saying nothing or telling them I've got nothing, 
I stretch to find more stories. And this is already getting long, so I'm going to stop, but I was going to talk about something else that I'll do next time. But I just kept pushing myself and continuing to find ways to keep engaged, find ways to keep the stories going, find ways to keep them involved or whatever to the point where they started sharing. And sometimes, I mean, I've been doing these stories, I mean, they're 10 now, so nine years. <laughs> I mean, since they could start saying, tell me stories from when you were a kid, I have been doing it. So things don't happen right away. Things aren't always, you know, A happens, then oh, look at B. Like it took four years for them to share that. And I would love to go back four years and and ask or be better or do something better differently then. But four years later, they felt comfortable to tell me. Four years of telling these stories, four years of being vulnerable, four years of talking about my divorce situation and my parents. And I've been telling them that story for nine years, but again, <laughs> age appropriate. And then these things happen and those are the magic moments. That's what you do it for. So no matter where you're at or what you're dealing with or what you're struggling with your, with your kids, if you don't stop, if you don't give up, if you stay consistent, if you stay present, if you take the hits, if you want to scream and cry and ask what's going on and why, in a not good way, you keep it in and you keep doing this thing instead of. And whatever that thing is for you, that wasn't meant to be vague, obviously I've been rambling on for a minute now about these things, but you just keep going and going and going. And if you let, if you treat them as you would an adult, which again, we can all get better at everything or else, you know, blah, 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 another rabbit hole that won't go down, but then they're going to see and they're going to learn, but they're not going to learn in that one thing. This is why I never did timeouts or anything, because that's not going to teach Charlie anything. That's not going to help them. That's going to make them feel bad. It's going to distance them from you. And it's the only thing you're teaching them, in my opinion, is you did wrong. I don't want to be around you. You did wrong. You need to go be alone and think about it. Like, what? No, they're a kid. What are they going to think about? They did the wrong thing because the quote unquote wrong thing because they didn't know better in that moment. So instead of teaching them how to act better or respond better, you make it worse by ostracizing them and then just being like, all right, like, I don't know if I don't get A to B. Anyway, I'm rabbit holing. So don't give up. Don't look for the immediate response. Four years is a long time for my kid to carry that because I made a mess. Nine years of telling these stories got it to the point where four years later they told me. And one of the things that I've heard over and over from Ryan Holiday is, you know, it would have been better to start journaling, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, six months ago, but the next best time is now. I would rather have this story from Charlie now than in another four years. I'd rather have this story now than to find out that I had created so much distance and space from, you know, acting a certain way or responding a certain way because I truly believe, and then I'm going to have to end this so I don't keep going, but that if I had created that distance, even though I made the mess, I didn't let that impact. Well, <laughs> I don't know how to say that quite right because obviously it did impact, but I didn't stop doing these things that got us to this point. And it would have been easy to be like, okay, you're 10, dad's not staying in bed anymore. And I assume most people's experience were similar to mine where it's like, shut the door, figure it out. Or, hey, it's bedtime, stop talking or, you know, whatever and shut the door. 
and then go in and yell at him for like reading under the blanket with a nightlight or whatever. And again, my experience, but now you'd yell at him for being on Snapchat at one in the morning. Again, not going to rabbit hole, but it's, it was that consistency and that continuation and that being there and not, it was a frustration at first about them not just being able to go to bed. I have things to do. I have to get ready. I'm a single dad. I got to prepare blah, 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 blah. And instead of doing all of that and like shutting out, and there are times I'm like, hey, it's bedtime or whatever. So again, nothing, <laughs> nothing is like this one full way, but staying in bed and telling them stories is getting them to open up. And I've said multiple times, this is when they talk, this is when they share. And that consistency and that lack of frustration in that moment of just wishing at one point that I could just shut the door and they would go to bed, I was wrong. I was 100% wrong, and if I had pushed that, I would have missed these opportunities and I would have continued. I've learned a lot from this. Hopefully, in some way, shape, or form, this gives you something to think about or helps you in some way, shape, or form. But whatever it is, <laughs> I swear I'm going to end this, whatever it is that you think you're doing right, whatever it is that's based off a cliche, whatever it is that's based off your childhood, even if you're trying to go opposite, don't let a crappy childhood or bad parenting or a bad situation distract you from something that may have gone right. Don't not do a thing that your mom or dad or aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa did that may have been right just because they did it so you're not going to do it. I mean, there's so many layers to this that I could just ramble until I pass out, but I promised like three times I was going to end this. So thank you very much for listening to A Better Father. I do hope this helps. Goodbye.